Well, I'm back. And the reason is because the elders told me you didn't get it right, so go back and do it again. Actually, we have these here which you will be fascinated with. You will want to come up closer to the front of the stage next time because you never know what may next happen as well. I want to encourage you, please turn with me in your copy of the Scripture to Luke, Luke chapter 16. The book of Luke chapter 16, as we look together in this last of the series concerning stewardship, how we are responsible, how we lead as stewards or those who are managers for ministry, for ministry for Jesus Christ, I encourage you, please follow along as we look at the book of Luke, chapter 16, beginning verses 1, and I'm going to share that the purpose of this message is actually twofold. One, to address the stewardship of scrimping, the, the issue of cheap Christianity, of greasy grace, also known as management by manipulation, cutback church, or getting by with God. Wow, you say, I never knew that was in the Bible. Well, we're going to discover what the Word of God says, but there's also another purpose, and that Jesus states this purpose very clearly in the book of Luke. We're going to share and look at that. Jesus states his purpose is to recognize this, that the possessions that we have, the stuff that God gave us, whatever is in our hands or in our sphere of touch, talents, jobs, skills, dreams, wealth, the lack of it, it's going to soon be gone and we're going to be bankrupt. Or will we? So listen along, Luke chapter 16, as I read from the scripture. You should also see it up on your screen. In Luke chapter 16, he also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who was a manager, who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in your account of management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master has taken away my management from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what I'll do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write eighty. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And Jesus said this, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous or worldly wealth. 
so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous worldly wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You know, Jesus Christ has been saying to us in our hearts, through the Scripture, through the very worship that we share this morning, He has been saying that we can use everything, a guitar, a heart that sings, a hand that reaches out, a small gift, everything to gain eternal friends, people to Christ, gather them into eternal dwellings, store up eternal treasures by willingly using all for Christ. The question I have for myself, and I ask this, so why haven't I been doing that? Maybe the question for us is, why aren't we doing this? So this story that you just heard reveals those answers to the questions. It's really one of the most unusual stories that ever was told by Jesus because he commends, he actually applauds, encourages the cunning, the urgency, the skill of a steward, who is also the same word as a manager, because he seemed to have been a shyster. Now that sounds a little weird for Jesus to commend that, but this person who was a person of the world could be perhaps a person in this room. He addresses someone else, however, who may also be in this room, one who knows time is short, stuff is limited. One who doubles the effort, one who triples the interest gained by investing every possession, every inclination, every bit of stuff, talents, job, skills, mind, for this one purpose, to gain eternal friends. Literally what Jesus says So these two people in his audience perhaps are just like us. And I'm going to call the first person this. The first person who was that shyster is actually called, I call the person a wiggler. It's a person who wiggles and finagles things in life to his or her own selfish ends. Wigglers slip by for a time, but eventually they run out of time. Wigglers are called by Jesus sons of of this world or people of this world. Their likes, their lifestyles, the lures that they sort of enjoy are of this world and not of Christ. They're really not those people who were against Christ. 
but they're sort of the ones that we call the meh-ers. You know, the ones who say, meh, I'll, I'll go with Jesus for this or I'll do that for him, but only for a little while. They actually are those who, meh, I'll do what seems right for me. Anyone, anyone, a person who is unsaved, a person who is saved, a person who is ungodly, a person who is a Christian. Whenever a person lives like this, that person, that could be me, is a person of the world. Not because of anything more than thinking and acting and living like this world. But the second person, <laughs> the second person is fabulously wealthy. Wealthy is actually the term for the other person. This person is rich in faith. And Jesus calls them people or sons of light. Jesus commends them, be urgent, manage this earthly stuff, use the wealth and whatever God has given to gain friends for heaven. So have you heard the phrase, follow the money? Well, we're going to follow the money and how the wiggler follows the money and how this wealthy person follows the money. So a wiggler, for example, can be as bad as a shyster. Or they can be nice enough to ascend to the Bible. But wigglers are people of the world. At the moment that they are thinking that they need to use whatever they have for themselves, for their selfish ends, not for their daily needs, but for the selfish ends, they are people of the world. They're experts at management of scrimping, they're experts at cheap Christianity, living by greasy grace. That is, whatever gets by, gets by. So what do wigglers do? The most important thing that Jesus even points out is they waste. Verses 1 through 3. He says in verse 1, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Wigglers waste God's gifts. So waste whose stuff? It's God's. He's the rich man in the story. And we know that this story was written not only for those who were hearing the word of God, but for those who were resisting the word of God. He even spoke to those Pharisees and those like the Pharisees who loved this stuff. And he spoke to both saying, you are wasting, wasting, wasting God's stuff. God's gifts to us, both Wiggler and anyone else. And God is this rich man, and the possessions he has given to all people. Remember, he's speaking to an audience of all people, not just the select few. He's speaking to all people whom God has given to all richly and freely. It's important to note this, you theologians. That God is righteous because he gives to all. And he cannot be limited in his gifts. He gives to all freely, the scripture says. But it's also important to note, he is righteous because he requires accountability. What did we do? What did we do with God's stuff? You see, 
He is righteous this way because he then hears about us, the scripture says in Luke 16. He's the ultimate intelligence officer. He knows how people manage everything. He knows every heart, every motive, every potential that is used or potential that is squandered. Wigglers waste not only by using God's things on themselves. Hear me now. Not about our daily needs, but into the selfish degree. Wigglers are those who use it for themselves. And that is not only the thing that they start with, but they also fail to use God's possessions on others, on souls, or on following the Lord. This story is to every person, every person in this world, and the person of the world who wastes time, possessions, life, not lived for God, or lived for souls. And what's unusual about this story is that the master, the master makes everyone, everyone, even the unrighteous manager, he makes him a manager. He appointed him manager. He knew who he was. And he still appointed him a manager. You know, the Lord makes each person a manager of what God has given them, whether we like it or not. So wasting what stuff? So wigglers are responsible not just for wasting money, but also skills, ideas, talents, family, secrets, thoughts, and desires. It all belongs to him. People of the world scoff at this. I know because I did. They say, well, come on now. Can't people get to choose what they want to do and what they want to use? Or don't people have a choice of self-determination? Isn't that right? And the answer is it is that we have that right to exercise our free will. But like wasting money, there is a consequence. And in wasting God's gifts to us, there is a consequence. God's skills, possessions have consequences if we do not use them. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He asked this question, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you, not, why do you boast as though you did not receive it? People who are talented, people who have abilities, people who have skills, people who have possessions, people who have things. The talented wiggler among us, me included, may brag and say, I'm a self-made person. I did it myself. No one gave it to me. Really? Is that true? No one gave it to me? Won't there be some accounting for what we have? I'm going to say this, friends. What wigglers really waste is not just stuff, money. It's being God's managers. What wigglers seem to waste more than anything else is being God's responsible person in the small or in the large that they have, being in the area of influence that they have, not being his managers. That's what wigglers waste. The story makes it very clear that Jesus did not intend to make us people 
his minions. He intended to make us managers. God put us in charge. He has confidence in us. He knows that with his work in our lives, he has managers for this world. Believe me, no company. You who run many, many businesses, many, many authorities, no company would give you that much confidence. This world scrapes and bows to get the most basic job flipping hamburgers. But God says, you're managers, managers for souls. Wigglers, I think it's time that we stop wasting God's possessions. And I'm speaking to me as well. There was this youth band back in England, back in the day. Some of you know it. The youth members were between 14 and 16 years old. And they were singing songs for the Lord at church. They were doing fabulously well. Going from church to church, from their home church to home church, singing praise to the Lord. But soon, they stopped using their talent for God and found it more attractive to use it in the gritty bars that were in that area of Liverpool. It wasn't very long after that that they named themselves the Beatles. And the rest is history. Whoa! So if people have talent, anything, God gave it. But he gave a response to us. He hears about us. He knows our hearts. The good news is this. He sees management potential. So the story that he's reading here to these who he's speaking to is not just to that audience, but it's to us. He sees management potential. And it says the master commended. That is, the Lord himself commended. And he commends us, use everything, everything for him. That's hope for this world. That's hope for us. But we need to clarify a little bit more about how Wigglers finagle and finagle their solutions. And so looking at verses 4 through 7, Wigglers finagle solutions. So the dishonest Wiggler said this. He said this in verse 4. I know what I'm going to do. When I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. Whoa. Now that's sort of weird that he wiggled a solution out of that. But recently... Just over a month ago, a major cryptocurrency folded. It went bankrupt. And billions of dollars are still missing. And many, many, many investors in cryptocurrency have said and said and said online and otherwise that they want that cryptocurrency back. And they say it's even safer and more potential than the lottery. And they welcome it back into their portfolios, that is, into their homes, even though both, whether it be this or that, are cloaked in a casino-like type of greed. So the greedy manager wiggled and finagled to buy influence so that he could live off of his manipulated friends. What? And yet that's exactly what the world still does today. So how do wigglers wiggle? Well, I gave a term here. It's called the skimpy wiggle. The skimpy wiggle in Wiggler's skimpy wiggle out of investments. That is the investments of placing things in to get a return. But Wiggler's skimpy wiggle out of time, love with people, 
and primarily with the Lord, and they get poor, poor returns. Wigglers also skimpy wiggle out of giving, not just investments, but in giving gifts. Because they say, ah, there's not really a return. It's almost like Christmas. You give a gift, you expect to give back. Oh, really? But they skimpy wiggle out of giving because they don't see a return. And you know what I want to say, friends? Churches, churches may confuse this matter by demanding the tithe and by promising a return if you tithe. Friends, the tithe is not commanded in the New Testament, and a return is not promised either. But we misunderstand biblical giving because we fail to give in view of God's gift of eternal life. We fail to grasp that the gift that He gave was an eternal gift, and it was not just a tip. He gave everything, and He only asked this, to receive the gift. If you're here today and have not received the gift of eternal life, have not asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, give and receive, respond to His gift and receive it. So giving skimpily a 10% is like giving God a tip. God does not want our tips. In the United States, the tip is the custom. We know it's not true around the world, but 10%, 10% to a server is an insult, and we know that. A fair question would be, do we insult the Lord by wiggling our tips, or are we willingly increasing God's gifts to us? Proverbs chapter 11 puts it this way. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. And yet it results only in poverty. Are we wigglers? Or are we the second person in the story? Are we wealthy? So the second person Christ addresses is fabulously wealthy. And he commands that person. That's why he uses the phrase, literally, I tell you. Use your wealth. Manage your stuff to increase, to store up treasures, Jesus says in Matthew 6. And I firmly believe that the treasures he refers to in Matthew 6 are the people who he refers to in Luke 16. Treasures are people. How wealthy is this person? <laughs> this person is wealthy because this person has the light of Christ. Verses 8 through 9. Jesus calls these people people of light. Literally, the genitive or the use of the word in the original language means the person who is light. Not just happens to have a flashlight and shines it around. The person who is light. The cash of Christ is in them. And now Jesus contrasts the people of the world as poor opposites of the people of light. 
The people of the world are not light. They're darkness. They're not eternal, but temporal. They're not attracting, but distracting. They're not transforming, but degrading. That's the people of the world. But in contrast, Jesus says, use the light, the wealth of light that he has given us to gain friends. The same treasures as he refers to in Matthew 6. Gain friends for heaven. Be shrewd. Be urgent. Be wise. Always looking for opportunities to gain people for Christ. So why is it that some sales ad or salesperson always has a shrewd way of making you think of buying something? Why is it? It's because they convince you that you need something, something that's missing. But do the people of the light use this shrewdness of the light of Christ within them, using their possessions, using their talents, using their times, their tongues, convincing people that something is missing in their souls and gain friends for Christ. Time is urgent. Time is urgent. Stuff soon will be gone. Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Who's going to welcome us but those friends that we have gained? Jesus didn't say shine the light. He said we are the people of light. Use the wealth of light that when we walk into a room, we talk about God's rooms in heaven. When we meet friends, we talk about the friend, Christ himself. When we visit a hospital, we talk about hope in Christ. When people suffer, we suffer with them, and we tell them about a Savior who takes upon them the sins of the world. The cash of Christ is the light of Christ. Don't squander. Don't squander the wealth which is light. So the wealthy also have this. They're wealthy because they have faith. They are full of faith in Christ, verses 10 through 12. And it says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. The cash of Christ contrasts with those in this passage who are dishonest with very little. Because they're the opposites of those who are full of faith in Christ. When we place our faith in Christ... When we respond by trusting him, the contrast is this, that people of the world are dishonest. Literally, the word is unrighteous. And why are they unrighteous? Because they're not willing. Because they're not willing to trust him, to use their life, to use their stuff that God gave. I know looking back for me, looking back, we have squandered and I have squandered possessions that God gave. Not just money. Not just sometimes other people say careers or health, families or even souls. We look back and we lament that. So if this is you or me, let's repent. Turn to Christ. Reopen the account of faith. Of faith, obedience and willingness to trust him. Faith 
and the wealth of faith within us because Jesus Christ has come to us to give us his very self. The wealth of faith yields the riches, the true riches, the passage says, who are these friends, these souls, these people. Don't squander the wealth of faith. The third way that these people are wealthy is because they're managers, bold managers for Christ. Verses 13 through 15, Jesus begins by saying this, no servant can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Jesus contrasts the people of this world to those who despise him. They're opposites of those who are bold managers for Christ. People of light become managers of God's wealth because we stop serving the masters of lust, of self, possessions, laziness, and we urgently want to serve only the good master, Christ. People of the light recognize this principle. You can't serve two masters, and you can't love two things or two people. You can't. People of the world, those people who are the meh-ers, yeah, you can go either way, whatever's convenient. The meh-ers think you can. They say, ah, you can love pornography. You can love politics. You can love procrastination and goofing off. And you can praise Jesus too. And the truth is that people of the world who think this end up like those Pharisees in verse 14. And the Pharisees who loved money, who loved the stuff that they had, loved the power that they had or the comfort that they had, those who heard this were sneering, sneering at Jesus. And so the story is about two people's attitudes, my attitude, the world's attitudes, about those who are stewards of scrimping, of cheap Christianity, of greasy grace sort of getting by, versus being those who are bold managers to use every ounce that we have to gain friends for eternity. God does not want tips. God does not want to be our financial consultant. He doesn't want to give and be in the position of just giving advice and we decide or decide not to take it. He did not make us minions. Jesus Christ says not only to those who desire to follow him, but he says this to even people of the world. He wants all to be managers for him, to use what God has given for him, every possession, every thought, every talent, every dream, even every hindrance or hump as an opportunity to manage, to bring souls to him, to increase his wealth on this planet and in heaven. And so you see that this is what it is to be a manager for Christ. So what actions can we take? I ask you to consider this. This one, this one set of actions 
Are we willing? Are we willing to give what God has given us to use for Him? I want to reassure you, God will not snatch it, snatch it from your hand. He will not take it from you. He will not rip it from your hands. He wants willingness only. Second, are we willing to gain friends? Treasure, real treasure, that which is eternal treasure, for there is no other value than that which is the soul to gain treasure in people and souls for him. Are we willing to contribute to these three baskets? The basket of worship, to be in regular, consistent worship and bringing others to know Jesus Christ, for there is no other purpose behind worship. Are we willing to be those who give practical care, to care for many in need? And are we willing to give what we have of the possessions we have in accordance to what we have, not what we don't have, for Christ's work? Are we willing? And I ask again, for the heart that says, I'm not sure, are you willing, are you willing to call on the Lord and ask him? Because the Lord hears a willing prayer. And for those who call on the Lord, whether you have received Jesus Christ or not, or whether you find yourself in the position of the wiggler, or you know how wealthy you are, he hears that willing prayer and answers. I ask you to be willing. I ask you to come. I ask you to commit to the Lord what he is asking you, not I, not this church, not these elders are asking you to consider, to willingly submit that to the Lord Jesus because he desires to make of you and me managers for all eternity. Lord Jesus, we lift up before you with thankfulness before you because you have invested your life in us, the light of Christ, faith to trust you, managers to lead for you. Lord, we pray, humble our hearts, prepare us to be willing, whether we know that we have what you have given us to serve you or whether we are not ready, Lord, make us willing. And for the heart that wants to call on you for the first time, Lord, may that heart call on you and come before you in a willing heart and a willing prayer. And Lord Jesus, we lift up before you and ask these things because you were willing to make us managers for all eternity. And we praise you and worship you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Mm.